Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Female Founders Network, a podcast brought to you by Invoice to Go. I'm your host, Nat, and I'm joined by my co host, Sylvie. Hey, everyone. We record our show in the Forbes Street studio in downtown Sydney, Australia, but we bring guests from all over the world. So you'll hear people from the US, the United Kingdom, Europe, the Asia Pacific, anywhere that we find women who lead and inspire others. This is a great podcast for women who are navigating business ownership, leadership, or just life. Each episode should connect you with someone else's story, but also leave you with practical tips and advice that you can use in your own life and in your own business. Today, we're speaking with Brittany Chu, the founder of Estimos, an all-natural and healthy margarita mix that she founded as a COVID passion project, but has now become a legitimate business with huge growth potential. In this episode, Brittany shares her inspiration and the story behind Estimos and how she's building her brand from the ground up. We hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, Brittany. How are you today? Hi, doing well. How are you doing? So good. And I love that your name is spelled like Britney Spears. Yes, (laughs) I know. That's like I always go, that's my go-to explanation (laughs) when people ask how to spell it. It's Britney just like Britney Spears. The best way. Yes, (laughs) of course. Um, Welcome. So you are calling in from where? Sydney, Australia. Sydney, even though you are American. So we've got another American expat on the show. (laughs) Yes. How good? So good. I mean, it's the best place you can be at the moment. So I feel very lucky to be here right now. Aww, yes, nice yeah, same. it's pretty good. Pretty good place. Um, so tell us about you. How? Where'd you grow up? How'd you get here? How'd you become the woman you are today? Um, so I grew up in LA, which isn't too different to Sydney. Um, I spent most of my childhood there, and then I actually went to uni in New York, mm-hmm. um, went to Cornell University, and then after graduating, lived in Manhattan, um, like most of my peers, for about three years. Mm-hmm. And then I was working for a software sales company, um, and I'm at that same company now. And so they actually transferred me to our Sydney office about three years ago. Mm. So I had always, I don't know why, um, but I'd always wanted to live in Australia. Mm. And I don't know if it was just, um, you know, I studied abroad in Rome and I met a lot of Australians there. Hmm. Um, <laughs> so I don't really know exactly what it was, <laughs> but something drew me to this country. And so when I actually applied for the job that I'm at now, um, they, I saw they had an office in Australia. So I was like, this is my ticket there. Um, you were then, plotting, basically. Wow, you engineered the whole thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Wow. It was a long, long plan. <laughs> it's so funny to me when American, I don't meet that many American expats, to be honest, here. There aren't that many of us. It's really? Much no, more, there's not. It's much more popular of a place for British people. That's to true. Yeah. yeah. But when I do, there, it's... It, it's really interesting to me when people say that they've always wanted to live in Australia and that's why they moved here because I honestly like made the decision a couple months before. Yeah. <laughs> really? like, okay, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people haven't even visited Australia. Oh, like, yeah. My family has not been here. Yeah. Mine has not visited in three years. I mean, granted, yeah. one of those years was a pandemic year, but right. three years and no visits at all. It's interesting though, isn't it? Like I, I had visited Australia myself but um, Mm. when my partner and I moved over here um, he'd never been but Mm. like this I feel like we're kind of like that you're sold on the lifestyle of it like you see the Australian lifestyle it's so appealing it's very outdoorsy yeah um 
sunshine. It's, yeah, it's very similar to Southern California, though. Like, you get yeah. all the same things, really, in Southern California, I feel. It is, but I think living here, I've realized that there's actually so many cultural differences that mm. I hadn't realized. Um, yes. And, like, even just, like, with work-life balance mm-hmm. and being able to, you know, have a life outside of work and that's okay. Um, so I think those are probably the big differences that I noticed moving mm-hmm. here that like whilst it's quite similar in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um, those are kind of the key key things I've picked up on yeah the healthcare for all things not too shabby either <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> I keep telling my little brother I'm like you know some socialist policies are really good because he's like a libertarian <laughs> yeah like a midwestern liberal. he's bad. like what what so yeah. anyway so you came here uh, what year was that um, it would have been tw- one, 2018, I believe, February okay. of 2018. Beautiful. Oh, nice. And then one of the culture shocks that you had was um, the lack of tequila options or <laughs> the tequila yes. mix options, yes. which I'm sure there's plenty of in Southern California being very close to Mexico. So exactly. what, what was it? What did you notice? What, what was it that you were really missing? When you decided um, to Well, first this? of all, amazing Mexican food. Oh, God, <laughs> um, I hear you. <laughs> Uh, to wash that down, definitely like bomb margaritas. Mm-hmm. So I think what I noticed is that Aussies, um, just generally their association with tequila is always to do with like shots at the end of the night. And so it's definitely a very different association. Yeah, growing up in LA, it was quite close to Mexico. And, um, you know, it's definitely like you have margaritas all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and LA is quite health conscious as well. So they are, they tend to be pretty clean refreshing margaritas mm-hmm. um, whereas here they um, they pack them with sugar um, and people just don't really have the they've, they've just never developed a relationship with tequila here yeah. which sounds like such a funny thing to be talking about but tequila is um, actually because it's made from agave isn't it actually like a low GI um, like glycemic index um, spirit yeah. that you can have so it's not like it's like it's the best yeah. spirit you can have yeah, yeah. so it's um, made from agave and it's um, the only alcohol that's an upper, mm-hmm. so every other spirit is a depressant. Yeah. Um, and it's the fewest calories. So, yeah, I feel hmm. like Aussies would just get right around all of that. Yeah. Hmm. Is that why it's so popular in L.A. then? Because it's kind of like a sort of health alcohol drink. <laughs> I think so, perhaps. And then probably also just like the amount of Mexican food that you're eating. Yeah. It just tends to be kind of the drink <laughs> of choice. You know, it's so funny. I've got so many friends that just say they can do tequila. I'm one of those women. Yeah. yeah. I'm Are one you? of those women, but I really appreciate it. I appreciate the product and the effort. I just probably would mix it with something else, a different spirit. <laughs> Yeah. Why is it? Is it the taste or? It's not. It's just every time I drink tequila, like I have a bad, a bad night. Like it's like, it just, it affects me. I feel like more tipsy and drunk than I don't like to be super drunk. Just like, I don't like it. I like to be in control of my, (laughs) you know, like my actions and things. And I know I've got friends who are doctors who have told me that this is absolutely medically incorrect, (laughs) but I feel like tequila affects me different than other um, types of drinks huh i think with everyone though different spirits and different drinks affect everyone differently like it's never yeah. a one size fit all yeah 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 i definitely appreciate the culture though and the margarita culture specifically and you're right so there's fun. no good mexican food in this on this entire island <laughs> <laughs> so okay so you're working here in sales you notice the lack of of mexican drinks um so what did you do next 
So, um, yeah, I, I created a healthy margarita mix, but I think to work backwards, it was probably less about, um, you know, looking at the market and then realizing there's a gap and then coming up with this idea. Mm-hmm. I literally was in the middle of COVID. Um, it was like Cinco de Mayo. I had some girlfriends over, um, in Australia, the lockdown was, you were limited to like X amount of people at your house, but you mm-hmm. weren't really allowed to go out too much. And so, mm-hmm. um, we decided to have a girl's night in and do tacos and margaritas. And mm-hmm. so one of our friends brought that, you know, lime green, fluorescent green mixer Yuck. that you can buy at the stores. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's packed with, you know, sugars, artificial sweetener, um, ingredients that you can't pronounce. Mm. And so another one of my girlfriends saw it and she was like, absolutely not. I refuse to drink this. Like we're going to the store, we're buying five bags of limes and we're making our own margaritas. Yes. (laughs) And so we ended up doing that. We went to the stores, bought all the limes, bought all the ingredients. And, you know, for eight girls, it actually took like an hour and a half to make one margarita for each of us. So if anybody's actually, um, you know, made your own margaritas, it's such an effort and such a commitment. Yeah. Um, but it's worth it. And so, I don't know, that was kind of when we realized, like, there's actually, that that was the aha moment. There's a huge mm. gap in the market. Why can't I just buy, you know, fresh mix that tastes good and is good for you? Yeah. Um, so there's what, no alternative. So what goes up? actually goes into it so you mentioned limes like what other ingredients did you do on this first batch so mine are a little different I wanted to do two um, kind of spins on classics Mm -hmm. so the two flavors I have are a cucumber cooler and that's Mm -hmm. more of your classic margarita Um, the ingredients are literally lime cucumber um, mint a little bit of chili salt and um, a little bit of apple. So that's kind of what sweetens it. So all of the mixers are sweetened with fresh fruit. Um, And then the other flavor that we have is more of your spicy marg. So that Ah, one's a spicy, yeah, uh, spicy watermelon flavor. So that one has lime, watermelon, um, jalapeno, cayenne pepper, chili salt, and mint. Mm. Wow. Mm. Could you drink these on their own? Yes. Yeah, so that was the other thing. Like, it is actually a really great mocktail option. Mm. I think the beauty of the mixers is that it's kind of your choose your own adventure. Yeah. Um, You can make it as strong or as weak as you want. And even like, I liked the idea that you can make a mocktail and still feel like you're part of the fun. Yeah. You're still doing, you know, what everyone else is drinking and you can still participate and it's not. I think there's a lack of mocktail options on the market anyways. Yeah. Um, Word. So it's kind of nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I um, I didn't drink for eight months last year. And that was one of the things that I found that I missed the most was I wanted to go for a drink and I wanted it to be an occasion drink, but I didn't want to have mm. a sugary drink. And there's such a lack of, there was such a lack of that. And now there's there's more and more kind of non-alcoholic spirit brands that are coming about. Mm. There's like, there's a real demand for that. So I think, yeah, spicy margs without the tequila or the headache. I was thinking that it would be like a really good idea to start like a mocktail bar somewhere in Sydney or somewhere in any major city, like Mm. where like moms could come, (laughs) like people could bring their like pregnant friends and whatnot. Or just people who are not drinking for whatever reason. Yeah, totally. I think more people are being like a lot more aware of that as well. Like yeah. how often they're drinking, a bit more intentional about it. So yeah. absolutely. Making it a special experience. Yeah. Cool. So, okay, so you've got this mix, you've got two flavors. 
So what then? Are you then kind of selling it to friends? Was it a business at this point or was it still more just like something to take to parties and it was like your special um, recipe? Mm. Yeah, so I think right away when when we started making them, we were like, this is great. Like, we should definitely just bottle this up and sell it to everybody that we know. Because um, <laughs> I feel like a lot of people would, would want something like this. Um, and so at first we were mixing it in our kitchen um, and literally just like going out to Harris Farm, which is the local kind of fresh organic market uh, nearby. So like Whole all Foods, of the ingredients. guys, for those of you yeah. listening from the States. Basically, yeah, like the Australian urban, Whole Foods. Yeah, urban version of <laughs> Whole Foods. Exactly. So we were buying all the ingredients, squeezing them ourselves, um, literally running around to like the discount bazaar or the dollar store, buying these like glass bottles, mm-hmm. filling them at our house. Um, and the first weekend we sold them, I remember we just like posted about it on Instagram and rented a car. You could do like a, a per hour car rental in Sydney huh. and literally just like drove them around Bondi and like the eastern suburbs, just dropping them off to people who had ordered it and did like a BSB transfer. Wow. So, yeah, it was kind of crazy. It was definitely full on. Um my partner and I at the time, she she and I were up until, you know, 3 a.m. literally just mixing the um, mixers, squeezing the limes and everything, um, and then delivering them the next day. And so that that stage only really lasted probably like a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it was first born in May. So that lasted a couple weeks. Then um, we actually went to a local uh, bottle shop, Bondi Beach Sellers on mm-hmm. Hall Street. Yep. And they were super supportive from the start. I literally just went in and asked, you know, hey, like, if we were to have a margarita mix, like, what would it take to be stocked here? What would we need to do? Mm-hmm. And the guy was like, oh, I'm the owner. Like, just come in um, with some samples and, you know, we can just stock you. <laughs> he was like, make me a margarita. <laughs> <we'll talk>. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Oh, wow. Um, nice. But I will say, you know, I know there's a, a U.S. and Australian audience here, and, and that's something that I was really blown away by is how much support you have locally um, and how essentially easy it is to get stuff done. Like, he, mm. he gave me his phone number. He was like, call my mobile. Mm. Um, just come by, and we can do a sample and set you up, and that was it. So, um, You just got to yeah, ask, think, don't you? Exactly. Yeah. You just have to go yeah. out there and ask, and, and people— Hustle. Yeah. Will help. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. And then that was kind of so that they were our first stockist, and back then again we were still mixing it in our fridge. So the the shelf life the shelf life was really only three to five days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with any fresh juice, um, it goes off, and so we were literally making them. You know, buying the ingredients on Thursday, um, squeezing them on Friday. Um, putting them in the store Saturday. And we had to make enough or guess how many would sell that weekend. And then whatever didn't sell Aww. went to waste, essentially. Aww. Oh, my gosh. So it was definitely, like, a crazy time um, and very intense, but so fun and exciting. And um, I think really nice just to get your hands dirty and, and really be a part of, like, every part of that process. Yeah. And all the um, while, you're working your full-time job, and this is just, like, a, a side <laughs> hustle. This is a passion project for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that was probably the, another huge challenge, balancing the two. Mm-hmm. Um, and so during this time, we were also doing a lot of research to figure out how we could scale. So that's obviously not sustainable. We can't be doing this, you know, every yeah. single day after work and on our weekends. Um 
And so we found that there's actually two ways that you can extend shelf life. Mm -hmm. um, we did heaps of research, but one of them is really, um, it's called pasteurization, which I feel like a lot of people might be familiar with. But mm. essentially what they do is they boil the product. Um, it completely kills all the um, enzymes, but with it, it also kills the nutrients and the flavors. Mm -hmm. So it completely alters the product. Um, and so it cools it down. Once it's boiled, uh, they cool it down, they fill it, they add preservatives. And that's probably a good chunk of um, the beverages that are on the market right. mm. are done through this process. And that's why, you know, sometimes if you buy a soda or something, you don't have to refrigerate it until it's opened. Mm. Yeah. Um, so that was one way that we saw, and it was definitely the cheaper option. And then in our research, we also found something called HPP, and that's high-pressurized processing. Huh. And essentially what that does is it cold fills a bottle. It puts it through um, this pressurizer that applies so much pressure on the bottle that it actually kills the enzymes and bacteria, mm. and then it vacuum seals the lid on. And so... Um, through that process, you don't need to add preservatives. It doesn't change the ingredients or the nutrients or the flavor. Wow. Uh, the huh. only caveat is that it has to stay refrigerated. Okay. About um, and then it extends the shelf life to about three months. Oh, wow. So this is, must have felt like another like breakthrough moment for you to, to know that you didn't have to do pasteurization. There was this other alternative. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, it was really, really cool to find that. And then there was a little bit of a debate. So um, with that process, it's it's a lot more expensive. Mm -hmm. um, and then you you have to use plastic bottles just because of the way that it, it's pressurized. Okay. Um, it can only handle plastic. So there was a huge debate on, you know, are people going to appreciate the fact that there's no preservatives? Are they going to appreciate the fact that it's gone through this process? And are they willing yeah. to pay a premium? to do that. Mm -hmm. um, so that was definitely a huge consideration. But for me, like, that was the, the whole basis of this venture. Yeah. Um, it was the integrity of the product, being able to maintain um, all of the nutrients and kind of that clean freshness mm -hmm. that yeah. you can't get on the, on the shelves. So how did you, I mean, like you said, it was a bit of a debate. Like, did you do market research? Like, how did you discover like okay should we take this next step and stop making you know three-day versions of this product <laughs> or you know is it going to be worth it for us like how did you know um so it was a lot of googling um, <laughs> google was definitely our best friend at the time um, it was a mix of Googling and also just reaching out to people. So again, you know, I found people in Australia to be so helpful, so willing to talk to you. So I just found all of these juice companies and um, called them up, asked them about the process, asked them about, um, you know, how much it costs and just did a lot of research into uh, what was possible and the pros and cons and the trade-offs. Yeah. And I found that people were very willing to, to chat and... Um, yeah, that's probably where where I got all of the help from that point. So so did you then go ahead with that route? And then I guess there's also the trade-off that you mentioned about having to use plastic bottles because as someone who is quite conscious of not having preservatives and also the same person who doesn't want to contribute to more plastic yeah. in, in consumerism, what, what was the solution there? How did you balance that problem out? Um, that's a tough one, I think. Um, at the end of the day, I felt more strongly, and, and you're right, you know, it is something that I am very aware of. 
Um, but at the end of the day, I just felt more strongly about the actual product itself. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And like, you know, what's the point of having something that has a lot of integrity on the outside, but the inside is, you know, just crap. Yeah. Yeah. Language, yeah, right. but, um, and hopefully, I guess the goal was just to educate our customers enough to understand that, you know, um, and, and also the other thing with plastic, like I did do a lot of research and I don't know, you can go a lot of different ways. Like the, there's, um, certain conversations about like the amount of carbon emitted from transporting glass cause it's a lot heavier mm-hmm. and how that affects the environment. And so I think there's a lot of different ways you can look at things. Um, At the end of the day, if we can encourage our customers to recycle, to reuse your bottles for certain things, um, to not keep it as like single use, that's probably um, one way that we can try and address that. Yeah. Um, But yeah, until somebody comes up with something that's (laughs) (laughs) um, a happy medium, I guess, we'll just have to make the best of what we have. Margarita's in a carton. (laughs) <laughs> the next wave. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the trade-off. And these are some of the difficult decisions you have to make as a founder. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, ultimately the integrity of the product is really important. So how did you continue then? So you had this product that then could last for three months. It's obviously way more viable. You're not squeezing juice anymore on a Friday night after work. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So your exactly. Friday nights basically sucked yeah. for a very long time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My Thursday night, Friday night, and then really most of Saturday just running around doing Aww. the final touches. Yeah. Um, but it was fun. At, at the time I did have a partner and so we were both, you know, we would blast. Um, we were listening to like Baker Matt, our favorite like pop, yeah. um, DJ and we yeah, just so put good. on, you know, the songs and just get at it. And yeah. it was actually a really fun thing to do. Um, and I think it was really nice to be able to do that with somebody else, yeah. especially at the start. But you mentioned that obviously now you you don't have a business partner anymore. Um, is there, did you just kind of like have different ideas and directions for the company or was was it an amicable split? What happened there? Yeah, yeah, it was definitely amicable. I think um, the timing of it all, um, it's a good thing that we split when we did. So Mm -hmm. it was really back when, before we actually went into production. So um, she was there at the start when we were actually squeezing it in my kitchen. Mm -hmm. But before we actually placed any orders with a producer or actually, you know, turned into the product that we have now, um, that was when we had split. So I think we're quite lucky in that, you know, we came to that point. Um, when we did and ultimately it was just different ideas for the long-term vision like I definitely see um, a future with this company and and a lot that we want to do with it Mm -hmm. Um, whereas I think it might have been a bit more of like a passion project and exciting at the time yeah so really it was just different directions and different views for uh, the business yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah it it definitely was something that we did have to discuss and um, yeah, happy that it happened when it did. Yeah, okay. So now you're obviously doing it alone. And do you feel like lonely as a founder ever? Or do you feel like you can now make decisions faster because you're basically in control of the direction? Um, sometimes I do feel lonely as a founder, definitely. I think it was really nice having somebody in there with you that cared about it as much as you did and like was pouring as much of um, it into the business and cared about, you know, the little things. So I feel like I have a lot of friends that are very supportive, but it's not their business. And Mm. so I think from that perspective, um, that was the big difference. 
But in saying that, like, I think I also realized at first, I think it was really tough. But once I took a step back and I realized that um, there's actually just like, yeah, exactly like you said, I can I can move a lot quicker. I can do a lot of things and just start to lean on like other people in my life. So um, my sister also started a business um, during um, actually probably a little bit before me even. And so she launched like a a raw freeze dried um, pet treat business. Nice. Yeah. Um, in LA. So she's in LA. And so, um, it's just been really cool. Like she's been the best mentor, um, and so supportive. And, you know, whilst we're in such different industries and different products, just going through it with somebody is so nice. Mm -hmm. And I think just realizing that there's so many people out there, um, they don't have to be, you know, equally invested in your company, um, to, to want to help you or want to see the success. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So good. So we do get a lot of questions though from, um, you know, our community, we've got, um, a massive Facebook group and stuff like that, that do ask if there are any tips for going into business with your friends, just in case, you know, one of you does decide to exit or whatever, uh, what tips would you give? Um, definitely keep it professional at the start. So that's probably the biggest takeaway that I would have had. Like Mm -hmm. we came into it, we were, you know, very good friends and, um, just having a lot of fun with it. And we didn't think that it would ever go in a direction where we would split. And so we just never had those conversations. Yeah. Um, and so I think just covering your bases and just at the start, you know, saying, you know, legally signing something and, and this is, uh, you know, we're either both going into it or we're not, or figuring out what the financial commitments are mm-hmm. and just ironing that stuff out. Like it's it's hard to have the conversation when you're in that fun almost honeymoon stage of yeah. it. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, it definitely pays off. And it's way better to have had that conversation early on than when you're at the point where somebody wants to pull out or you guys want to go in different directions. So yeah. you might as well just, you know, bite the bullet and have that conversation very, very early on. Yeah. And yeah. then the, the other thing I would say is, um, you know, if you really are looking at the business long-term, really consider like what, what, what and why you're going into that with this friend? Like, do you guys have complementary skills? Um, Mm. Do they have a skill set that you don't have? Because I think that was another thing. Like we, we did realize kind of early on that we actually both are passionate about the same sides of it. So we were both very creative. We both really liked, um, you know, certain sides of it. So I think if you are looking to build something um, it'd be good to look at a partner that is going to have skills and bring skills to the table that you don't have. Yeah. Um, and it's worth thinking about that, especially early on before you get in too deep or, um, fall into like, this is so fun and exciting. Yeah. Um, because yeah. when you do scale, that's when that's going to come out. Yeah. I mean, the thing about it is it's like people are scared to go into, it's so fun to go into business with a friend, but also so scary to go into business with a friend for so many legitimate reasons right Mm. like Mm. it's it's hard to even like you know I've only worked with friends like in a corporate situation like I've never gone into business with a friend but I've Mm -hmm. worked with friends and it's just the vibe is different and it can really like accidentally screw with what you're trying to accomplish like if you're not on the same page so I think it's definitely like when we get those questions about like partners and things like that it's legitimate and you definitely have to take care of it ahead of time 
That's really smart. Mm. Yeah, and there's two advice. things. There's two things at risk there. It's you know the risk of the business that you want to build, and then also the risk of the friendship that you yes, have. yes, and you value it so mm. much, and you could make decisions that are good for the business, but then really screw up your friendship or vice versa. Yeah, and you don't mm. want to get yourself into that position. It makes a lot of sense. I think what you said about complementary skills is such a valid point because yes. it's like. Yeah, you can have fun with a person. It's like it's fun to build something with them. But when it actually comes down to it, you need to both bring something to the table that is going to help the business to grow and, and means that you're both like in it together. Yeah. Um, I think that's a really good way of looking at it. And like whether when you're making the decision um, for people listening, like is if you're thinking about going to business with a friend, like how do you work together well? How do your complementary skills um help the business to grow yeah like if you've got two people interested in doing creative marketing and no one who wants to do logistics like you're really screwed right (laughs) (laughs) speaking of marketing Um. what is what so obviously you you mentioned this instagram page and it's amazing that you had so many kind of orders and i think especially like in bondi and sydney like there's a real like appetite for um, new businesses and support for entrepreneurs um but how um do you how are you kind of scaling this now in terms of like marketing and, and reaching out to more and more people um it's still very organic so yeah we only launched it in may and we went to the formal bottles in october um and then we actually just got stocked at bws in bondi in december wow um which for um the american listeners it's probably one of maybe two or three big uh, liquor store chains here. Yeah, huge. Um, so, you yeah, I think... You can't get liquor ahead. in the grocery store either here. So it's a big deal to get stocked in a liquor store. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like you could go into, like, you know, how, like, back home there's, I don't know, whatever, yeah, Giant Eagle. Ralph's or, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you can just go inside and there's a liquor store. That doesn't exist here. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely, we're still very, very young. Um, we've been doing a lot of organic growth, um, truly just like word of mouth, everybody just telling their friends about it, tagging them. Um, the only ad I've ever run was we just had our official launch party on the Hamptons boat in Sydney, just on Saturday, this past Saturday. Oh, Nice. Yeah, it was great. And so that was the only ad that I ran. I like promoted um, one of our posts that had a link to the Eventbrite. Uh, and we actually sold out of the event within like a week of launching it. So, so. good. Oh, wow. That's so fun. We've got mask yeah. mandates that just um, like a bunch of our, um, we're, we're recording this in February. So a bunch of the mask mandates mm. and things in Sydney have lifted and we're allowed to have parties and events now. So if you're listening from the States and there are still mandates right. and you're jealous, I'm sorry. Oh, I totally understand. Yeah, but oh, that's, that, that's so cool. So, that you, is cool. so you basically, did you like rent the Hamptons boat party out and then sold tickets for it so that you could come and like try estimates? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we rented out the boat, um, organized like a four hour DJ set, live saxophone, um, unlimited Estamos margaritas, um, beer, wine, and then the ticket covered everything basically. And yep. um, we had like a face painter on board. We did kind of like a sugar skulls theme. Mm-hmm. So everybody wore all white. And then we did like the face painting and um, the nice. flowers. Yeah. So it was a really fun event. And that, that was the only time that I had promoted anything on Instagram uh, with money behind it. 
Oh my gosh, that's so fun. <laughs> Sounds amazing. I wish I could have gone. <laughs> Do you, yeah, feel, you yeah, check out the Instagram? There's invite. definitely some. I, <laughs> I would have showed up for that mocktail. <laughs> I know. You could have had you, unlimited mocktails. So in your marketing plan, I mean, do you feel like because it is a food item, you know, it's an edible item, Mm-hmm. You will focus on samples and trying the product or what are what are your plans? Like what's going to be your focus going forward? Yeah, so it's definitely a two-pronged approach. Um, we sell to consumers and then we also sell to bars and restaurants. Mm. So there's large bladders that they can purchase and like huge economies of scale that they can get. They can actually make so much money off of our margaritas. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of a mix of getting into, you know, all of the bottle shops and then driving customers to the bottle shops to buy them. And then also, um, directly through bars and restaurants so that, um, in Australia, a Tommy's margarita is very popular here. And Mm -hmm. so basically that's a margarita without the triple sec. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I really want it to be a household name like that. And I want people to go into places and ask for the Estamos margarita And they know that that is, you know, a fresh margarita mix sweetened only with um, fresh fruit and it's a lot cleaner. Um, And that's kind of the vision. And so um, right now we're we're in those two bottle shops in Bondi. We also do the Bondi Beach Farmers Markets, which Mm -hmm. is has been really great just because we can do samples there um, and get people trying the product. Um, but yeah, that's probably, and then yeah, expanding to the different suburbs is the goal. Mm -hmm. And then, um, once people try it, word of mouth, people go to different parties. I think even with the both of you, like it's crazy. You guys have heard of, um, our mixers somehow through a random connection. So I think if we continue growing that way, um, we should be in a pretty good position. So you're focused on local fame first and then whatever happens after that. Is that correct? Yeah, I think so. I think, like, this is another kind of, like, I guess, piece of advice for other founders who are listening, who are thinking of starting, like, something in drinks or food or something where you can do samples, is that Mm -hmm. I I did hear about you because I heard about your samples at an event, which Mm -hmm. I think was through, like, Bondi Beach Babes or something like that. Um, oh yeah I think you you went along and did did something for them and you were just doing samples but people were talking about it it's really exciting and goes a long way to let people try something themselves otherwise mm. it's just another bottle on the shelf and you don't know what's in it or what well it that's why like. they used to have the shot girls and yeah okay so Brittany <laughs> you're gonna remember this they don't have this in other countries and I didn't know this they used to have the flavored shot girls that would walk around in like themed outfits that were quite quite risque in university <laughs> bars. Like, did this still exist when you went to... Because I'm 37. So, like, does this still exist when you went to uni or was yeah, it we, just me? I don't think like, I had it. You didn't You didn't have it? Oh my no, God. I don't think I had it. We had it. We had it at, oh, wait, at uni where I week? went. Yeah, but so there was, like, themed nights and sometimes they'd have, like, these, like, syringe things that they'd syringe. Oh, we had jello shots. shots. Yeah. We you had jello, had jello shots. shots. Yeah. So we had, like, the flavor liqueurs and, like, the flavored, like, peach schnapps or whatever. They'd, like, mm. turn that into a shot and then they'd go and hand them out for free in college bars. <laughs> and that way you would get addicted to that shot and you'd order it. So you'd order, like, the watermelon crush or, like, whatever the shot was. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because you knew nothing about alcohol because you were, like, 21. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Now if you've got more refined taste, you'd have an Astemis tequila. There you go. <laughs> now 21 year olds are probably asking for that. Yeah. Like we were just silly drinking our yeah. sugar water. 
Anyway, so what's the vision for beyond all of this? Is this something, obviously, you, um, I'm thinking you want to kind of make this a full-time business in the next couple of years and then what, world domination? Yeah, basically that's that's <laughs> the plan. So um, I definitely want to build like a lifestyle brand. So I think, you know, the margaritas are really fun, but I think really it's just being able to have um, a reason to, you know, throw events or talk to people or partner with other brands that we're really passionate about. And so that's what I really love most about it. It's mm-hmm. not just the healthy mixer, but it's kind of the feeling that you get when you drink it and when you see it. And it's definitely this like fun, carefree. Um, estamos actually means we are in Spanish. Huh. So it's the we conjugation of estar, which means to be. And so the background of the whole name is really just coming together with friends and family and being present, um, you know, with the people that you're there with. And so I think really using that as the foundation and then building out, like, I'd love to do like a detox to retox, like yoga event. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I talked about the party that we just had this past weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think we'll continue to expand to bottle shops, but then continue to do these events and partnerships with other brands. Um, and then once we're really big in Australia, I'd love to expand to the U.S. Yeah. So I think um, I'm at a slight advantage being in Australia, given that the population is a lot smaller. So being able to reach all of the consumers that I want to reach um, is slightly easier than it would be if I were to try and do that in L.A. or mm-hmm. in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Just because there's so many people, there's so many products, it's so competitive um, but my vision is that, you know, if we're if we blow up here in Australia and I have a lot of friends actually back home asking for me to bring it to the U.S., um, but once it has a little bit more um, reputation behind it, I think expanding to the U.S. would be really successful there as well. Yeah. Yeah. I believe it. Beautiful. Wow. Well, it sounds like you've got it all planned out. If someone wants to buy um, Estimos, where can they find you? So right now we're at BWS Bondi Beach and Bondi Beach Cellars on Hall Street. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also the Bondi Farmer's Markets. So very, very hyper-local. Um, definitely hoping to expand. So as much as people ask their like local BWS for Estamos, um, that makes my conversation easier when I'm trying to get them to stock us. Yeah, nice. Um, and then from there we can really start to expand. Um, and then also, again, you know, if the demand is high enough, like I'd love to do online deliveries. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's a bit of a challenge because the product has to stay refrigerated. And so cold shipping is quite expensive. So until we can kind of get the right scale, um, that's not going to, that's going to be a bit of a challenge. So once we have that demand there, which I think will definitely be coming, um, once that demand's there, we can set up our online shop and hopefully do like a cold delivery as well. Awesome. And it's at Drink Estamos on Instagram as well, if you it want to It is, and you did that with perfect pronunciation. Excellent. She's done it. She's done it <laughs> You've done time. it. <laughs> All right, Brittany. Well, we are connecting with you on everything, and I hope to meet you in person soon. Um, but thank you so much for your time. What a cool story. I love that you've made it this far. I love that you've... Um, identified a gap in the market, and especially since it's a gap that I was hyper aware of before mm-hmm. <laughs> before coming across your brand. It's it's really cool. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for having me. This has been really fun. This podcast was brought to you by invoice to go We're an invoicing and billing app that helps business owners work and get paid from anywhere at any location around the globe. We're helping close the gender-based pay gap. 
Because the current U.S. pay gap sits at around 19%, listeners of the Female Founders Network podcast get exactly 19% off of any subscription. Just enter the code EMPOWERWOMEN at checkout.